right, folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. And I am very, very excited to talk about this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the LA Clippers' final score, 111 to 108. Really good win. Really good win for Denver in a game where LA clearly tried. They wanted to get this in-season tournament win, but the Nuggets, they ultimately prevail. They win and improve to 2-0 in the in-season tournament themselves. Very exciting news for this team. Uh, Again, I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn. Thank you so much for chatting. What's up, Cedric? Uh, Really appreciate it. Undefeated at home is fantastic. It has been a good day to be a Denver Nuggets fan, a good year to be a Denver Nuggets fan. And it is very exciting in general for the Nuggets to just, I don't know, take care of business. Nine and two at the beginning of the season, seven and oh on the, or at home. And they have done exactly what us uh, Nuggets writers and analysts and folks have, have wanted them to do for a long time, where they, they take care of business and they make sure that they're at the top of their game and it makes everything easier down the line, in my opinion, when they do that. Uh, when you take these games seriously, it helps in the future because you're not always playing catch-up. And too often throughout the Nicole Jokic, Michael Malone era, uh, outside of last year mostly, um, Denver has had to play catch-up. They've had to try to win in the second half of the year because they kind of get off to a slow start. Or It's why Jokmas, uh, December 15th, has become such a an important time because Denver too often has screwed around in the October, November, and early December months. So it's nice to see them really get off to a great start here. And I do think that it really sort of elevates what you can expect from this Nuggets team going forward. And that absolutely helps. But let's talk about the win. Let's talk about the Nuggets and the Clippers and just everything in between. There's a lot to discuss. I want to chat about Denver's clutch defense. I want to chat about Denver's uh, Reggie Jackson experience and the Reggie Jackson quote from last night asked by the great Harrison Wind and uh, just what Reggie had to say about Nikola Jokic. Uh, And then we'll talk about the in-season tournaments and the Clippers and and just everything in between. So should be fun. Uh, But let's kind of focus in on what happened in this game to begin. Uh, Denver got off to a fine start. The Clippers were, uh, they, they made some shots early. Paul George especially made some shots early. And Jokic was fine. He was two of his first eight and really got off to kind of an inefficient start. That sort of bared out for the rest of the game as well. Jokic finishes eight of 23 from the field. Uh, did have 32 points, 16 rebounds, 9 assists, and being helped tremendously by going 14 of 14 from the free throw line. That's a big deal. That's something where between that number and him going 8 of 8 in the previous Houston game, feels like the free throw shooting is, is back on track at least a little bit. He did miss a couple of uh, uh, chip shots in the Golden State game, if you recall, but ever since then, basically, he's perfect from the line including in the pressure cooker. So Jokic getting back to being the best version of his free throw shooting self would be extremely helpful for Denver, a team that has struggled with free throw shooting so far. 
but it wasn't just Jokic who really helped get this win. There were a lot of guys that deserve a ton of credit for this. Aaron Gordon and his defense on Kawhi Leonard, once again, proving to be very, very helpful. Kawhi did have five steals. <laughs> he was very, very good defensively. Paul George had three. Russell Westbrook had two. Uh, and the Clippers, they made life more difficult for Denver than I think a lot of people realized and a lot of people thought that they could. But it was on the other end where Aaron Gordon was playing great defense, great positional defense, and Kawhi was just missing shots that he normally makes. He went two of three from three. I don't remember the two makes. Uh, I was thinking about that last night when I was uh, doing the postgame article, which you can find at milehighsports.com. I I have no idea when Kawhi Leonard made two three-pointers. One of them might have been in the corner. Uh, I, I, I don't know. But it felt like every time he went to attack the rim or attack the mid-range, he was short-shotting it. He was he didn't have the same legs. He wasn't the same physical version of himself. And when Denver matched his physicality, he just didn't really play that great. And Aaron Gordon, I think, deserves the lion's share of the credit for that. Though Reggie Jackson did get a clutch stop in the end of the game as well. Uh, just good to see those guys and good to see Denver's defense really show up in a big way, especially down the stretch. Um, KCP, obviously, uh, as Cedric makes mention here. Ungsun Heroes last night, KCP got off to a bad start defensively, I would say. But he then recovered and had a great second half defensively, where Paul George just, he did what he could to keep the Clippers in this game, and, and I think at various points was the best player on the floor last night. But it didn't ultimately matter because KCP found ways to be successful defensively. Didn't take a ton of shots KCP did. Like he had five free throw attempts, missed two of them. Uh, Two of three from three, and those were the only shots from the field that he attempted. But was mostly just a a floor spacer complimentary guy who didn't really do a ton on the offensive end. Although he had a clutch assist to Aaron Gordon underneath the basket in the closing seconds as well. Uh, but in general, like just a, another great defensive performance from uh, KCP. Paul George is a tough cover. He's like 6'7", 6'8", a very, very tall, very physical and athletic player and was making sh- making some really, really incredible shots. It wasn't all against KCP, but I thought that uh, the defense that KCP played in the second half especially really helped neutralize a lot of that defensive impact from Paul George. Uh, good stuff from him for sure. We should go back to Jokic. He was uh, unbelievable down the stretch. The shooting doesn't really do it justice. And I think it's very important to like, we take the shooting for credit in a lot of ways with Joker because he always makes 60% or higher in a lot of cases on his shots. Tonight or last night, he goes eight of 23. And sure, it definitely did not feel like he shot the ball that well. But there was so much pressure that he put on the Clippers that it helped everybody else out. Uh, there was a play, uh, basically, the play that they were running to end the game was this wedge action into the post. And they ran it five straight times, got five straight baskets, or, or at least got fouled and, and then went to the free throw line, just had it be successful. And the reason they can do that was because the Clippers were playing small. They felt the need to bring help. 
and when they didn't bring help, Jokic dominated his individual matchup. He was very, very good, and uh, just having that capability is a strong luxury for a team. Uh, Reggie Jackson took advantage of that in one of those plays where everybody was so worried about Jokic going to the left block that they sort of forgot that Reggie Jackson had the ball. Terrence Mann was, I think, the guy guarding him at the at the top of the left wing and was not even paying attention to him, really. Reggie just took right advantage of it, uh, drove baseline, and made an easy layup in the clutch. Uh, that took the lead from one to three, which turned out to be very important because the Clippers had an opportunity to tie the game at the end, and KCP played great defense against Paul George and forced a miss on a three. And that was just one of those instances where because Reggie took advantage on one end of the effect that Jokic had and because KCP had been getting better and better defensively on the other end, it really felt like Denver was building momentum during the clutch time. And that the only times where that didn't actually happen were when I think Jokic turned the ball over in the backcourt with Denver up three and then... It, I don't know if they could if they counted that as a Jokic turnover or a KCP turnover, but either way, it was a, a nice defensive play by Kawhi Leonard. Put a little bit of pressure on Denver at the end, but it just didn't ultimately matter. Uh, but yeah, that uh, that wedgie three by Paul George. Uh, I was talking to somebody last night about it. Immediately, immediately brought back to the bubble where Paul George hits the side of the backboard in the clutch in Game Seven, and like. That dude is just cursed when it when it comes to facing Denver. He can play as as well as he wants to. He could be the best player on the floor for a time, but for whatever reason, when it just comes down to it, they they have not been able to get the job done against Denver. And I think, in a lot of ways, Jokic takes some some sick pleasure in the ability to close out the Clippers basically every single time. <laughs> he's been he's been so good at it, and it's just. It is really funny, and I'm sure the Clippers are just absolutely sick of the Nuggets at this point. They are, they just can't get it done against them at all. And it is very, very frustrating. It has to be to be a Clippers guy and, and to be on the Clippers when you're facing Denver, when you're facing Nikola Jokic. And like they, they took turns guarding him in the post, whether it was Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or PJ Tucker or even Terrence Mann at times. They, they tried. They tried basically everybody, and nothing really worked. So, it is always good to see Denver take advantage of that. Always good to see them figure that out. All right, tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to chat about uh, the clutch defense and Reggie Jackson's quotes, because I think that both of those things were important to come from last night. But first, everybody, did you know that as part of Superbook Sports and, and what we do here at Mile High Sports covering them. Superbook has done a great thing, and they are offering the chance to win a trip to the biggest football game of the year, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Superbook will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game, and they'll give you two tickets to the game plus a three-night hotel stay. All you have to do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now and January 7th, and you're automatically entered to win that trip. All you have to do is wager and win a super trip. 
to Las Vegas courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Excuse me. <laughs> I drank some water. It went down, went down the, the pipe wrong. Uh, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackbird here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning again. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. Can it be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the audio side of things on, on the, the podcast? Uh, we have been doing a great job of propping up the YouTube side of things, and we're nearly at 4K subscribers on the YouTube channel for Mile High Sports here. So, that has been awesome. Really appreciate it. If you can like and subscribe there as well, I'm not gonna not gonna complain in any way, shape, or form. But on this case, if you haven't listened to the podcast side of things, share that out with a friend because uh, I think I, I haven't done a great enough job of promoting the actual uh, podcast. Whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, there are so many ways to get this podcast in audio form and just take it around wherever you go. And it would be great if you followed the channel over there, followed the, the podcast over there. It would be great. All right. Let's chat about the clutch defense. Let's chat about what happened for Denver last night. Uh, I am going to go through each of the possessions that Denver played in the final five minutes of the fourth quarter. And we're going to talk about how well Denver did. The Clippers were up 99 to 94 with five minutes to go. 99-94. So the game finished 111-108 Denver, which means that the Clippers scored nine points and the Nuggets scored 17 in clutch time. And this this was I'm I think this was distinguished as clutch time because it's within five points, uh, five minutes to go. So all of this counts, if I'm not mistaken. So Denver. They do a great job of generating good possessions for themselves. But they've also done a great job of cutting off the other team's water. We're just going to go through these. 428, Paul George misses an 18-foot jumper. P.J. Tucker grabs an offensive rebound. Then Paul George misses a 26-foot pull-up three uh, in the closing seconds of the shot clock. Nuggets come back. They get a, a, like Aaron Gordon gets a tip dunk. And Clippers call timeout. Next possession down, Norman Powell enters for P.J. Tucker. They go super, super small. Uh, they do not have a center on the floor at that point or even P.J. Tucker on the floor at that point. And they, they just decide, hey, we need to go all offense. We need to outscore this Nuggets team. First possession, Norman Powell gets an open three. Uh, it was, I remember this play vividly where Denver got it, like they tipped the ball out of bounds at one point. It was low in the shot clock. and. Uh, Michael Porter comes off of Norman Powell to try to help at the rim. One second left on the clock. Norman Powell makes a three. You're like, okay, crap. That's that's too bad, but is what it is. So 102-98, Clippers up with a 320 remaining in the game. Jokic makes a couple free throws. Then James Harden misses a driving layup. Jokic comes back down the floor of the next possession, tips in his own miss for a two-pointer. Uh, two then the Clippers have a shot clock turnover because they can't get a shot off. Aaron Gordon gets a dunk from KCP the next possession. 
the Nuggets are now up uh, at this point, and they get a an and one in this possession. Aaron Gordon makes his free throw, a very, very big free throw. Next possession, 128 left. Paul George misses a 25-footer. Terrence Mann gets the offensive rebound. KCP fouls him. Unfortunate, or kept fouls Paul George. Unfortunate turn of events. Paul George makes a couple free throws. Reggie Jackson then drives the baseline for a layup uh, where everybody's paying attention to Jokic as strongly as they are. Reggie Jackson figures it out, uh, gets the lead back up to three. Clippers take another timeout. Then they draw up a play for Kawhi Leonard to shoot a mid-range jumper. He misses. Jokic rebounds. Aaron Gordon gets a dunk on the other end. Nuggets go up five. Paul George misses a three. Reggie Jackson misses a couple ensuing free throws. Uh, then uh, there's a a foul by Michael Porter, kind of pushing uh, Kawhi Leonard very gently in his back while he's driving to the rim. Kawhi missed the shots. Nuggets challenged the call, uh, and then uh, it didn't matter because uh, replay supported the call. So Kawhi then makes a couple free throws. Jokic has a bad pass. Kawhi or Paul George makes a driving layup at the end. Jokic hits a couple free throws. Clippers miss a shot. Miss a that that was the wedgie shot. There were not a lot of good offensive possessions for the Clippers down the stretch. There were not. And I am very, very impressed by the Nuggets clutch defense. They like I wanted to take you through that. And I know that that's probably not great podcasting in general, just telling you what happened. But I think that provides the right context for how Denver's not allowing a lot of shots at the rim right now, especially in the clutch time, and especially against a Clippers team that really struggled for for much of that time, just getting good shots and get and making plays. Uh, if I go to Denver's clutch defensive statistics on NBA.com and look that up, the Nuggets have an 83.8 defensive rating in clutch time. They have not played a ton of minutes. I do not want to make this a bigger deal than it is. It's like 16 minutes of time. But Denver's 4-1 and one in games that go down to the clutch. The only time that they didn't win a clutch game was uh, the last game against Houston on Sunday. And even then, they they fought back and they weren't in a position where they should won where they should win that game, and they still kind of turned it into a clutch game because it went from down ten to down five to down three, and they ultimately missed at the end. But they nearly fought back anyway, and a lot of that has to do with the defense. A lot of it has to do with Denver's ability to cut off the opposing team's water, and it's also really helpful. Denver has an 83% defensive rebounding rate in those moments. Jokic just is an absolute monster when it comes to grabbing defensive rebounds in the clutch. Like, I wonder what his actual rebounding percentage in clutch time is. I can can look that up right now, and we will see where it's at. Because it just wouldn't surprise me if it was dwarfing everybody else in the clutch. Yeah, so here's here's a thing. There are very few players that have played more than like more than a couple of clutch games here or there. Jokic has played in all five, and he has a thirty-eight point nine percent defensive rebounding rate in the clutch, which is 
even higher. It's like twice as close to twice as high as what anybody else would have in that realistic situation. Uh, Max Struess actually has a, a very high defensive rebounding rate himself, which is impressive. But Jokic is basically leading the NBA in clutch defensive rebounding. And the ability to cut off the opposing team's water like that, not allow them to get their own possessions, that's one of those small details that nobody's really going to talk about with Jokic, but it's what makes him so special. Because he does everything well, he set the table for Denver in the clutch, making plays from the post, uh, the shot that Reggie made where he gets the layup is a big deal. But when you talk about clutch defense, a lot of it is about KCP, as it should be. A lot of it is about Aaron Gordon, as it should be. Jokic is moving his feet really well in clutch time, and he is rebounding every miss. And that really helps when the opposing team only gets one opportunity to actually make a shot, and then if they don't get it, Jokic is getting the rebound. Like That is a, a very, very important piece of this. And these numbers are still early on, so I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, he's going to finish as the best clutch defensive rebounder of all time because he's probably not. But at least in this moment, he has been really good. And that is one of the reasons why Denver's defensive rate has been so good in these moments. Jokic finds a way to be the best version of himself defensively. And that version gets a bunch of rebounds and nobody else can really match that. Let's wrap up this segment by talking Reggie Jackson's quote. I also want to read this out, so sorry if this is not, like, awesome podcasting for you, but I do think that for those that haven't seen it, uh, Harrison Wind asked a really great question to Reggie Jackson about what makes Nikola Jokic special, basically. And this is what Reggie had to say about that, and it's one of the reasons why you should value Reggie for sure. Quote, Just watching him control the game, watching how special he is, watching his mind just work over and over again. The way he works just takes over the game physically, but really mentally, it's special. The way he keeps everybody's spirit calm, he really keeps our team. We have a great confident group already, but his ability, his maturation, his understanding, it really keeps us level-headed. Never too high, never too low, constant communicator out there. Like I said, I refuse to take it for granted. Being his teammate, playing against him for many years. When you have something special, you have to enjoy it. Because you never know how long you're going to have it. And when it's gone, you will truly miss it. So I'm just enjoying being his teammate. Enjoying how easy he makes the game. Enjoying playing as his teammate, but also being able to watch him as we're playing. Just beautiful stuff. Like, there is... I didn't expect that from Reggie. I didn't expect not just that individual quote, but the way that Reggie has really adapted to the Nuggets culture and his willingness and his desire to be a part of things. I think when he arrived on the buyout market last year in in February or March or whenever, he was clearly not ready to step into that role. He was not ready to step into the Nuggets culture, but he understood what he was entering into and clearly valued that. He absolutely cared about it. And it was just very, very fun to see him adapt and to see him like have a lot of cheers. Uh, 
What's up, Snow Wolf? It, I, going to read out this quote. It was loud and rowdy inside Ball Arena last night. My ears are still ringing. What a fun game. Eric Gordon is the man. I firmly agree. And one of the moments from the crowd that I wanted to mention, Reggie, like even though he missed two clutch free throws and he mentioned that he said he wanted to, uh, he went to go work on his free throw shooting because he he wasn't happy that he was missing the clutch. The crowd was chanting Reggie, 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 like in that late stage moment where everybody truly valued what he had put together and the game that he had played. And I think Reggie and the Nuggets have, have, and everybody involved have fully bought into what he can provide to the team. And it's so cool to see that because entering this year, I was, I had pretty low expectations for Reggie. I had pretty low expectations for what he would provide because after seeing what happened last year, I was thinking, no, I, I think it might be better if they have Jalen Pickett in there. I think it might be better if they, if they ultimately add somebody who can provide more of a Bruce Brown-esque role. They haven't needed that. And the reason why they haven't needed that is because Reggie Jackson's evolving as a player and he's evolving as a person like within this system and then within this team. And I think Jokic is really helping him along in that. And But the buy-in from Reggie and the willingness for him to do everything that they're asking him to do is a special thing. And nobody should be taking that for granted right now. It is very, very cool. And I think that he just absolutely deserves all the credit in the world for how he has handled this. Uh, you never know when a guy is going to be that best version of themselves. And Reggie, when he arrived with the Clippers, was a great version of himself. He was exactly what the Clippers needed. He was a positive ball of energy. He was somebody who could take over in moments where the team absolutely needed it. And now with the Nuggets and with Jamal Murray out especially, the Nuggets needed a veteran who could step in and fill that role. And Reggie was absolutely capable of doing that, and he did it. And it's an early part of the season. It's a long season. We don't know what's going to happen in the next 40 or 50 games. But at least at this moment in time right now, Reggie Jackson has been Denver's saving grace. He really has. And if Denver doesn't have Reggie Jackson on their team, they probably are seven and four or six and five or something like that, because they would not have been ready for this moment. And Reggie clearly is. And it's very, very cool to see. Not something I expected in any way, shape or form. All right, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to chat about uh, the in-season tournament and the Clippers specifically. But first, here's from Good Morning Broncos. By the way, that Reggie quote is going viral, absolutely viral. So uh, shout out to Harrison Wynn for asking that question and for, for getting a, a tremendous response from Denver's veteran voice off the bench. All right, final segment here. Let's now chat about, um, let's chat about the in-season tournament and, and what we're seeing now from this. Uh, I've been very impressed with the way that the NBA has kind of handled this and the way that they have continue to prop this up a little bit. Uh, and it is nice to see the in-season tournament flourish a little bit because I, I think a lot of people were skeptical and, and they had good reason to be skeptical for sure. 
I just I enjoy caring about things. I think it's nice to be able to have something that you can look forward to. And this was a good experience that I think can be shifted and shaped in a couple of different ways. But it is a good experience where people are going to remember this and they're going to remember how much teams and players care about it, at least at the beginning. And they're going to love it. They are going to love it, I think. So should be fun to see how it goes. Um, let's look at Denver's group. The Nuggets are in a group, they're in Group B, and currently leading Group B, that features themselves, the Houston Rockets, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Dallas Mavericks, and the LA Clippers. Dallas and the Clippers are probably eliminated at this point. They've each lost two games, and it's going to be hard to advance out of this bracket unless you go at least 3-1, and one, uh, because the way that this thing is set up with each of these groups is that if you win your group, you advance to Las Vegas. Denver's probably going at least one and one over these last two. And Houston might even go like up to three and one themselves. So would be surprised if the Mavericks or Clippers were able to advance. And even if they they got to two and two, I would be shocked because the way that this is formatted, there are four teams that come out of the Western Conference. There are the three group leaders, and then there's one team that's a wild card. That's usually going to be a team that goes three and one uh, that runs into a, that they're just stuck in a group where the group leader goes four and out. So going to be interesting to see how these teams handle themselves during this moment, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I've been very excited. So in the, the group standings here real quick, Denver's two and O Houston's one and O new Orleans is one and one Dallas is one and two. The Clippers are zero and two Denver. They play the New Orleans Pelicans in the in-season tournament in just a couple days here. So that will be basically the determination of if Denver's going to move on. I would be surprised if they couldn't move on if they if they got to a 3-1 record. So uh, I would be surprised if they weren't the wild card at that point. But that's where point differential and margin of victory really matter if other teams are, are 4-0 and then 3-1 as well. So... Uh, Denver, they've got to continue to take care of business. They've got to continue to win. And even in that last game against Houston, which is, I think, nine days from now as we're recording this, uh, that game's going to matter too. So they're like Denver's not out of the woods. They've set themselves up really well. But and given that they're the group leader now, I would be surprised if they didn't advance. But uh, that means that they still have to take care of business in two road games. So uh, Denver hasn't been awesome on the road. I think they're three and two or two and two. I want to say, yeah, they're seven and zero at home, two and two on the road for a nine and two record. Uh, they haven't been perfect on the road, and they already lost to the Houston Rockets on the road once. So they're going to need to continue to fight for that. Should be interesting to see. Um, the other group leaders, as we current as it currently stands right now, just to give a picture of what's going on around the league. Uh, West Group A, the LA Lakers and the Utah Jazz are each tied at 2-0. Would be awesome if Utah won that group, but I kind of expect the Lakers to win. I would be shocked if the Lakers didn't defeat the Jazz. That would be surprising to me. Minnesota is currently leading Group C, though they have not played the Sacramento Kings yet. The Kings are 1-0. So either one of those teams is the most likely to come out of that group. Uh, 
The Boston Celtics are leading East Group C. They're the only undefeated team in that group, so probably expect them to advance. Group B has Milwaukee and Miami. Currently, they're, they're each undefeated, although Milwaukee's 1-0. Miami is 2-0. Miami, by the way, 7-4 and for Miami. I'm kind of surprised by that, the way that they've played. And it, it has been impressive to see them kind of bounce back. They, they started the year 1-4. and I think they've won six in a row. So they are, they are way better than people expected. And then the Indiana Pacers lead East Group A. They are 2-0, though they have not faced the Atlanta Hawks yet, who are 1-0. So one of those teams is likely to come out of that group. But uh, Indiana defeating Philly last night, that also made Denver the leading guy or the leading team in the entire NBA from a record standpoint. So pretty impressive for the Nuggets. Uh, so it, as it stands right now, if all of the group leaders advanced, you'd have Indiana, Miami, Boston, the Lakers, the Nuggets, and the T-Wolves as your top seeds. And then Utah would be the wild card for the West. And it looks like either Atlanta or Milwaukee would be the wild card in the East. So pretty interesting groups, pretty interesting playing and and something to continue tracking. We'll get a lot more clarity on this after Friday because I think a lot of teams are playing on Friday, if I recall. Let me just look at that schedule real quick. Oh, yeah, you've got 11 games on Friday. 22 teams will play and add another tally to their in-season tournament record, so should be interesting to track. All right. Last thing I want to talk about here is the Clippers. I have said a lot of words about the Clippers lately uh, on the alley-oop. Make sure to go check out the alley-oop. That channel's doing pretty well. Already over, like, well over 200 subscribers on that, which is, uh, I, I don't really know what I was expecting, but it feels like that channel's now picking up some real steam. So thank you for your support if you've already been over there and subscribed to that channel. If not, uh, the alley-oop with Ryan Blackburn has been uh, pretty successful so far, I think. So thank you so much if, if you've been over there. Uh, but I, I made a, a ranting video on the Clippers sucking. And then they lose to Denver last night. And they're now 0-5 with James Harden on their team. And it just does not feel like they can do a darn thing. Especially defensively. Uh, they, they did some good things against the Nuggets. And uh, they, they, when they are locked in and when they're trying to get a win, they can still do stuff. Um, but as, uh, as Kalen mentions here, Crazy how when they go small, they can maul Jokic and get away with it. Swear he could have had 20 free throw attempts last night. I, I agree. They they tried everything. They tried to stop him any way they could. And uh, Paul George was actually the one who was complaining about free throw attempts last night. And I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, like the Clippers are fine. They are, they are not a good team. They're certainly not a great team, which I, I think they were hoping for when you trade for a guy like Harden. But it's just so clear that the way that they did it, they don't have any roster balance at all now. Bones Highland is out of their rotation. And also kind of a storyline from last night that the Nuggets did not give them a ring uh, during the game. They could have. They chose not to. Uh, whether that was a decision made by the players or by the organization as a whole, I, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that one out. But it does feel like... I, he he's out on the Nuggets, and now he's out on the Clippers. Like, 
isn't even anything that he really did. It's just that the Clippers are so small already that they can't play him. They just can't. Like They've got Russell Westbrook and James Harden and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Norman Powell. Uh, it's just not a lot of room in their backcourt for, for a guy like him. And, uh, the, the unit that they played last night, they played eight guys. And like, the only guys off the bench that they played were Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, and P.J. Tucker. And they were trying to win. They were really, really trying. And I, I saw in the chat, they're going to get Daniel Tice as a as a temporary replacement for Mason Plumlee until he comes back. And that's probably going to help them with, with some size and just some added physicality a little bit. But is that really the answer? Is Daniel Tice really the answer for the problems that they have? Probably not. Like They're still trying to figure themselves out. They're still trying to figure out their own team. But it does feel like the Clippers are just not a team that the Nuggets are going to have to worry about. And if that's the case, even after they trade for Harden, it's one West contender that when it comes down to a playoff series, you know that you can defeat. You know that you can play. You know that you can win. And the way that the Nuggets have owned the Clippers over the course of these past few years has been a sight to behold. It's been one of the defining traits of this Nuggets team is that they own the Clippers. And I... I don't see that changing, especially when Jamal Murray comes back. Like that's the one thing that you can really point to from last night is that some of Denver's rotations look a little bit shaky, especially in the backcourt, uh, because like they played Reggie Jackson. I guess I should mention Jalen Pickett too. I'll, I'll I'll talk about him at the end. Uh, but that's the one thing that you could point to Denver's rotation when trying to face the Clippers and say, "Oh man, uh, they have an advantage there." But they, it wasn't enough of an advantage to counteract the fact that they're just too small. And maybe Daniel Tice helps that a little bit. But Jokic isn't exactly going to struggle with Daniel Tice. Like, he will, like, Tice will be very physical with them. That'll be a thing. But that's just another place for Jokic to, like, it's another player for Jokic to guard and stay close to the rim and really help out in rim protection and rim deterrence. So, uh, should be fascinating. I'm, I'm curious to see what they do. But I, I, just don't really think of them as a Nuggets threat in any way, shape, or form. Now we will wrap up with Jalen Pickett. Um, was a, a cool thing to see him play. 17 minutes last night, if I recall. And he came in and played the second most minutes off the bench behind Christian Brown. Brown had a decent game. Uh, he had 10 points on 5 of 6. Was really cutting hard to the rim, but was not shooting any at all from the perimeter. And I think... There's still some some things to be worried about there. But Jalen Pickett, like, very confident shooter, very confident player, and sometimes, like, maybe made it just a, a very conservative decision at times and struggled a little bit with the ball pressure that Norman Powell was putting on him for much of the time, and Terrence Mann tried to do it a little bit too. But I thought that Pickett handled himself pretty well. Had a couple of turnovers in that third quarter, if I recall. Those weren't great turnovers and, and definitely something that he'll have to work on. But one of them I thought was pretty fluky. It was a travel. And I didn't think that he traveled on the possession, just watching it from my seat. And, and then the other one was a, a pass where he did not know what he was going to do in that moment. But outside of that play, everything else was good. Five points, two assists, one steal, had a couple rebounds. And they attacked him on the defensive end where... Paul George tried to post him up. Kawhi Leonard tried to post him up. Russell Westbrook tried to post him up. It was no different than 
if they had tried to post up, I don't know, Jamal, I guess, or try to post up Bruce Brown or somebody like that, it felt about the same. And yeah, Pickett's a little bit shorter. He's a little bit smaller, but he's built like a fire truck in a lot of ways. And he's not going to give a ton of ground. And I thought he played that pretty well. Uh, a little bit different than Colin Gillespie because the Nuggets don't have to just fire, five alarm fire, send help in those situations. And Pickett was able to hold his own. And I'm curious to see if he's going to get a little bit of a longer run here against the Pelicans. That is another matchup where Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson and guys like that tried to hunt Colin Gillespie. I'm sure they'll try to hunt Jalen Pickett as well. Curious to see how Pickett holds up in that. But he could, like if he gets steady playing time in the next few games, it would not surprise me if he develops a nice rhythm. So uh, nice shot from like from three last game and had a nice layup around Kawhi Leonard. Good stuff. Good stuff. It just it, He looked comfortable out there, and it, it didn't look weird in any way, shape, or form that he was out there. So good to see him handle that pretty well. And I think that's it. I think that's all I got, folks. I think that's all I've got for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Again, not going to do the outro music because it just screws everything up, but uh, really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Like I said, uh, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, go over to the alley-oop and subscribe there as well. I would really appreciate that tremendously. I will be back. I'm doing an in-studio recording on Thursday, tomorrow, and that should be up kind of Thursday afternoon range. So that will probably be the next time you see an episode. Uh, But beyond that, next other time will be Friday. After the in-season tournament, Nuggets go on the road to face the LA, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. Excuse me, uh, should be a fun matchup there. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, I'll talk to you guys very soon.